my advice to all first timers is you're probably going to fail. Don't, yes. don't, don't burn relationships in order to get your startup <laughs> because you're yeah. going to need the relationships are actually way more important than the startup because the startup will probably fail and those relationships, you're really going to need that. Now, some of you may have recognized that voice, Marcus Holmes, who is now based in Berlin. Hi, welcome to Startup West. My name is Charlie Gunningham, and together with Marcus and the original Startup News founder, Patrick Green, we were recently interviewed by Alex Dunmo and John Noyan on their Tech Society podcast. With their permission, we're doing a special crossover episode, bringing you some excerpts from our discussion, all about the origins of Startup News, the state of the startup scene here in WA, and loads of other stuff. So here goes, the first voice you're going to hear is Patrick and then Alex. Uh, about 2010, I did my first startup and started getting involved in the first startup scene and um, yeah, just worked through um, eGroup and uh, Morning Startup when we started in Subi and then went on from there and um, just kept doing startup things, um, launched Startup News in about 2014 and yeah, just sort of just kept in the startup scene since then and um, left the corporate <laughs> addiction and now just, just working purely in the startup space. So yeah, having a ball. It's really nice. good. I yeah. must confess, I thought Startup News was older. So there you go. I think that's a testament yeah. to, uh, <laughs> to how quickly Startup News kind of dominated that space. Is that, there's no one else really covering it. No, okay. well, oh, six, no. 6 of November 2013 was the very first post. And um, yeah, I think Charlie was in business news at the time and, and trying to get some articles on startups in. And um, yeah, I wanted to focus on something fully. I think um, Justin and a few other guys had tried to get some some uh, sort of startup feeds happening. Um, but yeah, there, there wasn't really much um, dedicated to the space. And so mm. that's, that's what brought it about. I was in the morning startup group. And said to the guys, you know, do you want to get involved? And they're like, no, nah, too much work. And, you know, they, they were Smart. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, they were right. Um, and I think the, the journey sort of proved that. The first year I sort of burned myself out, had a bunch of help and, and then sort of kind of handballed it to Marcus. And yeah, so, yeah, we've all had a, a, a relay race with this. And, um, yeah. Marcus, you were doing something similar before and I think that's when you got together with Patrick, right? I, I'm just a late arrival to this ball. I only came in two years ago. So I'm actually fascinated to hear the genesis of it from Marcus and Patrick because you've got the two co-founders right there. Well, so Patrick actually started it and then he came yeah. on to Morning Startup, as he said, um, and said, hey, I'm doing this thing. And I just started uh, perstartupscene.com. Right. Um, but my site was completely shit and Patrick's <laughs> way better. So I was like... This is totally pointless. I'll just come and join you. Merge. So I ditched, ditched per startup scene, took all the content oh, right. that I had written, and then joined Startup News as a co-founder. And, and we went on from there. And then when Patrick, as he said, burned out and left, I was left for about six months on my own doing it. And then I managed to get Miles on board. And so for about a year and a half, Miles, Miles and I did that. And then yeah, it all kind of petered out. And then about six months uh after it just kind of stopped, that's when Charlie got involved and, and said, no, it's got to, this is going to happen again. You high-tailed high <laughs> it off to uh, Thailand, didn't you, originally? I yeah, think. Miles, well, basically, Miles left, and it was just me again doing this, and it was, uh, that was really, I was completely off the scene. I just didn't really want to get involved or do You were. I remember having a pint with you. I think I was just leaving business news. Yeah. And were we at Fibber McGee's or something in Liverpool? Yeah, 
Yeah. You were literally a few days away from leaving. You know, enough of the kind of startup scene and lack of support for startup news, and you tried various revenue streams and hadn't really yeah. caught on. And, and it was just like, literally yeah. taking your bat and ball. And going. <laughs> It was. It was just like that, that's it. I'm out. I'm gone. <laughs> no, I mean the way all of that happened. It was so weird. It was like my um, my free, all my freelance gigs dried up, so I had no real work. Uh, my rent on my flat ended. Oh damn! And a friend of mine said, "Look, I can't afford to pay your Australian rates, but come over to Thailand, and I can pay you Thai rates." <laughs> I can't afford to pay and your so, Australian rates. Well, it's it's kind of weird. <laughs> it, would, yeah, it would cost him twice as much, and. Uh, in to pay me Australian wages, whereas I was willing to work for a lot less to, to go over to Thailand. So I said, sure, I'll go and work in Chiang Mai for six six weeks, and flew over to Chiang Mai, and never came back. Um, and that wow. was you know, literally just put everything I owned, like sold everything I didn't want to take with me, bought the largest backpack I could find, <laughs> poured everything into the largest backpack I could find, and left. And I, and my original plan was to come back after six weeks with a bit of money and. But it was more just like get a break from the whole scene, everything. And then, you know, one thing led to another and, and I ended up being CEO of the Prompt and Post for a while, thanks to Charlie's <laughs> intervention. Um, met an amazing girl, went traveling, carried on traveling, carried on traveling and ended up in Berlin. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like there's a lot missed out, like left out <laughs> yeah. of the story. A couple of in between there. In some of Oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> stuff like, uh, it's been, I mean, and all it's really weird. All of that, you can, I can trace back to startup news. Like, all of that was, I wouldn't have got the job writing for business news without startup news happening. I wouldn't have got the, the pump and job without the experience in startup news and Charlie's good graces giving me a recommendation. And that wouldn't have led, you know, that would have led to not traveling as much. I would have probably just come back to Perth. And feeling a bit dispirited still. And yeah, so yeah. yeah. Um, I, all of the all of that effort that I poured into startup news just paid so much, so much dividends. So like we never, like it never made any money for me anyway. Charlie managed to monetize it in about four <laughs> seconds. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> Humiliatingly quickly, he managed to turn it into a profitable thing. <laughs> but yeah, so. Um, like if uh, I, there wouldn't have been a product but for you guys uh, and Miles. And Miles, <laughs> we should say Miles Burke. Anyone who's listening to this wondering who Miles is. Uh, Band Creative and also 6Q, I think, is, is his startup, right? Okay. Yeah. I'd been in a startup for 10 years and then I sold it to Rewa and ran Rewa.com. And when I was uh, running Rewa.com, before I went to Business News, Space Cubed opened in 2012. The first startup weekend, I think, was September 2012. I'd met Pat at eGroup. You know, it was the same dozen people, Brody, Sam Birmingham, Claire McGregor, you know, Matt McFarlane, all doing everything, you know, not being paid for it and getting the community going. I remember going to the Startup Weekend. Ideas on a Friday were being hacked and you had products on a Sunday. <laughs> Cam blew my mind when he got, he got a post into the Washington Post on Monday morning for, for a Startup Weekend idea from Perth that had happened um, on, on Friday evening. And it's just... Really? What? Yeah, yeah. That was Cam the Sinclair whole... or which Cam? Yeah, Cam Sinclair, yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Can I cool. jump right in on that and just say, just ask you to kind of describe um, what you see Lean Startup as? Because there's a lot of 
interpretations of lean startup. And it's really interesting, especially uh, from a tech perspective versus say an engineering perspective or a, a standard, um, let's say like manufacturing business. It all started with the cloud. Basically, as soon as we had cloud computers that could scale infinitely according to demand, then it becomes possible to do large scale experimental websites that will just scale. Um, will just will just happen, and so you can if you throw something cheaply together and then put it right in front of the audience, you get immediate audience feedback, and that will scale with the size of your audience. Because the internet is also like everybody is on the internet, your entire market is sitting out there, and, and you can reach that entire market instantly. I mean, this is the startup weekend thing. You can have an idea on Friday, you hack together some product on Saturday evening, it's out there on the internet. Um, and then, so by Sunday, hopefully, you've got, hey, we've got 4,000 customers um, <laughs> for a product that was just an idea on Friday. And it's that speed. That's the, the essence of all the lean startup stuff is uh, don't build it and then assume your audience will come. Instead, hack something together, chuck mm. it out there, see what the audience likes, iterate rapidly until you've actually discovered what your audience really like. Then you can turn that into a product. Um, Having spent the last <laughs> having spent the last two years doing exactly not that, I now feel really hypocritical talking about this. <laughs> because my co-founder, I've basically been sitting on a salary building a product for the last two years, and my co-founder's been happily paying me and dreading the point we'll put it on the internet. And I've been constantly arguing, like, we should get it out <laughs> on the internet, we should put it out, we should launch there's it. There's that really great quote, which is, if you're not embarrassed of your product at launch, you yeah. launch too late. Yeah. So you you should a, be embarrassed. <laughs> it should uh, be as knocked up as possible. Yeah, it was Reed, Reed Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn, who actually said that. And he's got this excellent yeah. article on LinkedIn, which is where he explains about all this, because there's a few interpretations of that. Of course. And yeah, I was, I was having to explain my co-founder this. Like, yes, I'm completely embarrassed <laughs> by it. We should totally watch it. <laughs> no, I'm too embarrassed by it. Well, so yeah. So that's, that's basically what lead, that, the whole startup revolution came because of this infinitely scalable infinite market uh, thing which completely alters the dynamics of how you how you build businesses and, and account for them and the financial models for software as a service businesses are weird because basically the only cost is marketing everything else just fades into nothing because your audience is infinite and your um, potential reach is infinite, but you have to pay for it. So yeah. it's literally how much money can you make from each customer? How much money do you have to pay to get each customer? Those are the only two numbers that, value, that matter. And, if one's and, bigger and, than the other, you've got a business. And marketing is a, it's a really interesting space now um, because I, the way I see the internet is more like a cyclone tornado just shouting at people. And, you know, actually getting your message into that tornado is, is, is the question. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone just thinks, ah, you just throw an advert up on Facebook, but that's how you get trolls writing mean messages to you, not how you get customers. Um, no, it's fascinating. I mean, actually launching yeah. a, a product on the internet. So you put something on the internet and you immediately think, ah, millions of people are going to get done. it. done. Yeah. Nobody does. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. Nada. You'll get a, a hit every five seconds from somebody trying default WordPress um, <laughs> credentials to try and get into your site. But apart from that, nothing. It's just you know, going, going going live with startup news was pretty much um, Twitter back in the day when Twitter was useful. But <laughs> it, it was pretty much just uh, I just started following everyone in the startup scene and everyone who was following that person, and uh, and then just you know ten a day, and pretty much the numbers grew from that, which was. An interesting one back then, and you could do it. You know, you could just start by that way. 
I'm not sure how, how useful that is anymore, but in Perth, you know, we kind of estimated there was about 2,000 people in total that sort of make up the, the startup community, you know, actively. Mm. And so, you know, you could, in a sense, reach out to all those, and most of those guys are on Twitter. And so you could get them at least to see that you'd followed them and, and they'll go, what's that thing, or, or ignore you. But um, <laughs> that was a pretty quick ramp up to get the yeah, traffic. And sure. then, then getting beyond that, and, and Charlie would know this, getting beyond that is a really long struggle because it is a fairly small startup community. But, um, you know, if we've got a fair chunk of it, I think that's a really good thing. Um, one of my key goals as well as getting the startups out there and getting some media was I always used to read about the homebrew computer club in um, Silicon Valley and yeah. read about these guys that used to turn up to this. And then 20 years later, you're reading about this, you know, some guy bought this circuit board along and, you know, he happened to be <laughs> Bill Gates or something. And, and they were just showing their stuff in the, in the, in the club, you know, I th- and I, I, think that- I always wanted startup news to be that um, homebrew computer club publication that people will look back on and say, Oh, look, look, who's in here. And, you know, see what this person did or didn't do. And, and, and I think it's been a, a good little history and a, a little logbook, I guess, of um, what's gone on in Perth, at least in the last six, seven years. Um, and hopefully we can carry it on and make something, uh, yeah, sustainable out of it. I, I think there's, there actually is a, a good community. And there's also, I think there's a big percentage of people who would be part of the community if they knew about it. And, and that's, uh, yeah, after being going to kind of incubators in Sydney and um, Melbourne, I would say our community in some ways is is stronger than theirs um, because it, it it's it's a bit more um, focused on DIY rather than trying to find a random CTO to, to actually build it for them. You know. Hats off to what Patrick and the other guys did because 1,250 stories on there, pretty much anyone you can imagine, just type in, you'll you'll read stories about them. You know, a way of connecting, a way of collaborating, maybe asking for advice, reaching out, finding your CTO, whatever. And now with the events calendar and also the work that Andrew Althwaite has done, he's basically lodged every single element of the startup ecosystem. He calls it a hub, and he very graciously gave it to us to host. So it's all his work. He worked for two years and visited pretty much every accelerator, incubator, whatever. Um, so you can go to Startup News and go on Ecosystem and you can see all the founder groups and incubators and accelerators and angel groups and all that. And that's an obvious place to have it. And this is a bit of a generic question, but what do you think constitutes a good incubator? And then the follow-up to that question is, are there any in Perth? You know, really, like you're still probably going to fail, even going through an incubator. And it's, so it's... It's much more about how connected is that incubator to the community, uh, who are you going to meet there, what kind of mentors are you going to get, what kind of advice are you going to get, how, um, what was the people going through it before you, what was their experience, that kind of, that kind of thing. Don't, you know, um, like the, <laughs> my, my advice to all first-timers is you're probably going to fail. Don't, yes. don't, don't burn relationships in order to get your startup <laughs> Because you're yeah. going to need the relationships are actually way more important than the startup because the startup will probably fail and those relationships you're really going to need that going forward. So yes, yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, so, so what you're saying is, networking is actually the most important part of an incubator, um, not actually the financial in like stake they take or 
So, but again, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the statistics don't, don't really help because we never hear of, there's quite a lot of... Um, survivorship kind of bias. Survivorship, yeah. exactly. So uh, involvement in the community is no guarantee of success. Uh, it does make the journey easier. It, um, we don't know how many people didn't connect with the community and then failed. We do know there are quite a few people who didn't connect with the community and then succeeded, but there are also quite a few uh, who connect, who are definitely part of the community um, and, and have succeeded. So it's a kind of... Yeah. And everyone tries to claim success over the successes. So yes, um, I've heard so many reasons why Canva succeeded. Okay, okay. <laughs> Not everyone that touched them is necessarily a reason why they're successful and worth $4 billion. But no, in Perth, all I'd say is, and obviously this is my personal opinion, there has been a broad you know, lack of funding for early stage um, startups when you compare the amount of money that goes to everywhere else. So yes. Uh, if you read your startup news, we cover this quite a bit. And one thing I do is I go and look at in on business news. They're very good at looking at all the corporate deals and all the money that's invested in WA companies. And I think last year there was over $6.5 billion was invested in WA companies. That's not M&A. That's investment in. That's funding of. Okay. And that's WA companies, $6.5 billion. What proportion of that? Equivalent went to early stage tech. God, I would say less than one percent. Yeah, I would. I would say zero percent <laughs> to be honest. Point point six percent. Point six percent. Bit sad, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. You know these early stage tech scalable potential businesses. When we're talking about not all your portfolio, but just a little bit of it, that little bit mm. over here. You know, you can have your ASX and your commercial property and your just a little bit. You know, now it's getting better. Forty one million dollars was invested in early stage tech, according to Tech Board. And it was 26 million, I think, the year before. So that's a, it's lumpy. It's up and down a bit. Yep. But that's a proportion of the total investment. It's pretty pathetic. This has always <laughs> been presented as a as a problem for the Perth community. But yeah. um, I, I'm, I'm never like, so um, going to Sydney. So I ran a fintech uh, startup weekend in Sydney. And the, the attitude there is totally different. Because there's so much money, they don't, they don't care about customers. Trying to tell these people, right, you have to have customers by Sunday, mm. they, they looked at me like I was a raving lunatic. Like nobody really got this because they were all focused on the investor pitch. As far as they Just raise lots of money. Yeah. That's the success, right? Exactly. Raising money is a success. And, yeah. and the investors, because, are, in, the investors are in such a race, they're not even asking them to test their market. Exactly. Because you can't get investment in Perth, you have to go to the customer. And I think that's incredibly good discipline, in fact. That's it's good. just yep. not... Is you know because you can always raise money elsewhere once you've got a once you've got a customer base and forcing per startups to actually go and get a customer base first is actually is actually really that's, good. That's, I, I agree with that hundred percent. And some startups should not be raising money at all, oh, and yeah. some do not deserve to be invested in. And I'm not arrogant enough to know which ones should and which ones shouldn't. Uh, if uh, I did, I'd be sitting on a desert island next to Richard Branson, kite surfing <laughs> the Bill Tye. And I'm not obviously I'm sitting here talking to you. But, yeah, so there's courses, courses but and there should away. be more than 0.6%. I mean, come on. Yeah, I yeah, agree. Some rocket ships need to be built before you blast off. Um, and if you get and, in and early. they might have got early validation. Yeah. To the, the, the low degree. I mean, I can tell you stories that are just strangely ridiculous. Uh, one company I got all the way through accelerating commercialization. They ended up getting a grant at the most competitive grant meeting ever. 29 projects were on the uh, table uh, and they wow. didn't have enough money for anything like 29 projects. And it was just before 
the election was going to be called, so everyone was rushing in. It was about this time last year, right? Now, these guys got a grant, and I was pretty sure this was one of the best things I've ever seen. But they were ready eight months earlier to go to committee. Why couldn't they go? They couldn't get their matching funds. They went to 129. I'm not making this up. 129 different people and organizations over eight months, and they got 129 no's in a row. Now, I don't know about you, but I think after the 25th no, I'd have cried in the shower, <laughs> hugging my knees. Um, yeah. I don't know many yeah. entrepreneurs would go and get 129 no's in a row over eight months. Absolutely. I, I think um, the Australian investor market is um, uneducated and, and, um, and really risk adverse, but uh, not in a way that makes sense, just in a, well, you know, I don't understand this, so I'd prefer not to. Uh, which, yeah. which, but I, which, I, I totally, I mean, I totally get that. If you don't, yeah. like, I, I would not be a good um, mining investor, even if I had the money, because I don't understand anything about that industry. I totally understand how somebody who's made their money in mining can then not, just not be comfortable investing in technology because they can't see it, they can't pick it up. They can't not even 1%. But this is a failure, I don't think, of the actual investors. I think it's the whole financial industry and the whole, I mean, the experience with reverse takeovers and all of that. There is, there should be a diversification part of portfolios here. There should be the finance industry in Perth should be saying to these people, look, I know you don't understand it, but we do. So we'll take 2% mm. of your portfolio and we'll chuck it into some tech stuff. It may not work. It's probably, but it's only two percent, and it's. That is like actually a very good business idea, right there. But there's nobody. There's yeah. we, we tried. No, I tried talking. So uh, myself and Mal Gordon, we we tried setting up during the whole reverse takeover thing. We tried going and talking to some of these people, and it was just a complete farce. I think there is an education of the investor. I think getting back to your original question about incubators, most entrepreneurs now there is such a good ecosystem can go and get educated, go and collaborate, go and meet, go and learn. There's a lot of education of entrepreneurs, lean canvas, whatever it is. Yeah. But there isn't a lot of education of investors in this area. And I think that's where markets are failing. And I'm not quite sure how to do it. It's, it's a and hard, I don't think hard the West market Perth to stockbrokers are going to do it. <laughs> I think it needs to be somebody else. Maybe it's state government or whatever. But I think you, know, you don't ask for money off government necessarily because there's lots of money here. There's six and a half billion being invested in companies in WA well, every year. It's just educating a little bit of that market to give more than 0.6 of it to the early stage tech scene. Mining Maybe if you just gave 1% or one and a half. Well, let's get to the boring question. Um, I'm, I'm going to preface it with, I hope you're doing well in these troubling times, challenging. challenging times, which has been <laughs> the start of every single friggin' email I've received in the last month. Um, so... How has COVID-19 affected the startup community and, and startups in, in WA? Well, I was going to say, you know, since we went through this nearly the whole thing without even mentioning why we're all on a video, why we're, you know, at home and all these things, I think this has been the thing with startups is they're like, yeah, <laughs> business as yeah. usual. Cool. You know, I've just felt it's like, oh, great, I can just stay home now and not even expected to go somewhere, you know. Activity hasn't changed at all, really. Yeah. Uh, no, it's actually increased yeah. from, from, our, from our perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's, it's kind of been a, um, a good thing. And um, also, you know, startups, are, you know, we, we work at home, we work through the night, we reach out to markets through, through digital means. I think it's, it's been a good, um, 
good thing for a lot of us. You know, the, the business I run, we've seen a bit of a mix. So I think some startups have struggled, especially ones that are around social <laughs> enterprise, not sorry, not social enterprise, social um, physical activities. Yeah, yeah, yeah physical activities. Um, so all those sorts of things are struggling. I mean, I play in a band, um, Charlie plays in a band, all those things are just sort of been knocked on the head. That yet some other startups have, have slightly pivoted to adapt to it. So, you know, we're we're seeing things like um, Space Deco, where they're very physical based, have to move to um, having some different kind of real estate to look after, and and a whole bunch of other startups have had to just slightly pivot what they're doing. But they already were reaching out to the right audience, and that audience itself has had to adapt. Mm-hmm. So therefore, they're reaching out for people who can adapt with them. And so we've seen um, a bunch of startups want to do some different things, and and I think there's a lot of people at home now that just just more active. There's just way more activity. I haven't seen a, a downturn as such in the startup space. I think I've seen a lot more people with more more space and room to think and the, the real world hasn't gotten in their way. You know, they can focus on yeah. on what they want to build, the e-commerce and the, and a whole range of video, of course, uh, like this. But there's been a, a bunch of things that people have been doing. So I think it's it's been largely good. And um, yeah, I, I think on the other side of things, what happens to retail and physical stores and things will be a lot different. And um, it, it's probably a reset that a lot of retail needed to have. I don't know. But, yeah, for, for us, startups have been uh, yeah, still still going strong. Some have had to slow down, but some have accelerated. So, <clears throat> so in Berlin, they've just, just relaxed the whole, you, you can't meet anybody, you can't do anything. The bars and restaurants are still closed, which means all the meetup spaces are still closed. They're just allowing, I think it's meetings up to 10 people. I mean, it's basically all the all, the entire startup community here, like the tech community and everything, has just gone into hibernation. And all the people, I mean, my girlfriend works for a, for a tech startup in, a fintech startup in Berlin, and they're all working from home. So, you know, they're all, she's on Slack and Zoom every day, and, but working from home. It's, you know, it's... The, the actual startup scene, the businesses are all going fine and the startup's still working, as Patrick said, but the actual, all the community side of stuff has had to stop mm. because you just can't do like a 100% meetup over, over Zoom. It just doesn't, it doesn't really work. Um, none of the tech uh, meetups that have been going, they're all just like, wait until we can we can do this again. And then we'll do it. A few meetups that have been running like virtual meetups. I think I went to one in Seattle, uh, where it was just basically a webinar, a live webinar. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think a lot of people have discovered that they can work remotely. Without I think that that's going to be the big one. Anything that helps people work remotely is going to be the next five years is going to be a lot bigger than it used to be. So yeah, and it's like they've they've proven that they could. You know, it was always down to bad management anyway. And like, <laughs> yeah. unless a manager can actually wander around and see that you're busy at your desk, then yeah, but now they get no choice. So now the experience has been proven that exactly. um, the people are still working. And, this is effectively a training period for man- how to manage people while they're working from home. Um, so now we're going to have a whole bunch more managers. Which startups have been doing for 10 years anyway, haven't they? Yeah. Oh, it's just because they work all day, all night. That's, I think that's, it was the, that's only the founders, though. Everyone else doesn't. But it just requires, <laughs> it requires trust, which actually is probably um, what most managers are lacking in. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, I did a, I did an MBA in Perth, and yes, it was this whole like work working remotely, and um, what you measure is not how many hours your people are sitting at their desk, but actually what they do was yeah. quite a foreign concept to a lot of the other <laughs> people on the MBA. 
I was going to say on the remote working, I've, I've got a, a team in Nepal, about 40 guys, and for years they've been saying, oh, it'd be good if we could work from home. And I tell you what, there's at least half now that are just dying to get back to the office. I, um, I miss the office. Yeah. yeah there, I, there's, I legitimately there, You know, there is the social, the, you mm. know, the catch-ups, the coffee walks, the, you know, being able to chat to someone. But, but it is interesting, you know, that um, I, I'm the same. I wouldn't like 100% remote working and I don't yeah. like 100%. You, you, you know, like three cool. days. Three like days. the options. Like yeah. the options. Um, uh, one of the things that we, we set up for our teams was, was like this Zoom. We use a thing called Jitsi. But yeah. we, each team, we've got a bunch of clients and if there's one, two, three, four devs working there, they just set up a Jitsi room and they just log into there in the morning. They just mute their audio and camera. And then they're just in the room. So if someone says, oh, hey, um, yeah. you, know, you can just, you're always there. So it yeah. kind of gives that sense of there's someone, you know, there still. And that, that, that's been really good. We've really enjoyed doing that. Without that, you know, you've got to initiate a call or book something or, you know, do a chat or something. Yeah, that's, how, that's how we're doing it at Ninja. We're, um, yeah. everyone, everyone's in a room all day, basically. Uh, yeah. They're all on mute, but they can talk at any time. That's yeah. it. I like think it's been really good. Rooms to jump into as well. So we try to emulate what we had back at the office. I, I want to direct this one at you, Marcus. Do you think everyone can learn how to build their own MVP? And do you think that COVID-19 will inspire the next generation of um, uh, startup founders learning to code Python at home, smashing out their own MVP? Okay, so there's, there's two parts. There. So one is an MVP isn't what everyone thinks an MVP is. And, and the second part is, can everyone learn to code? So yes. uh, let's do yeah, the easy it's, it's part. A, it's a, it's a, it was definitely a, um, a, a Trojan's <laughs> horse of a question, so I'm glad you noticed <laughs> okay. that. <laughs> okay, so the, to learn to code part, yes, everyone can learn to code. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be awesome at it or you're going to be able to build an entire product or that you know, you've got the aptitude for it. Some people do, some people don't. Um, but it's definitely something that everyone can do. And my... My take on, like, if you're going to do a SaaS startup that depends on technology, one person in your team, at least, must be able to build the product. Mm. Like, you can't do this by outsourcing the entire thing because it's a core competence of your entire business. If you haven't got somebody in your team who can code, then you shouldn't really be doing this or you go and find someone. The second part of it, the MVP, so the point of an MVP is to prove that somebody will pay to have that problem solved. It's not a tech demo. Um, so an MVP is really, like if you can do it with a spreadsheet, if you can, I mean the Lean Startup book itself has lots of uh, examples of people who've done their MVP by literally manually going up and doing the classic one of um, the shopping um, startup that was going to try and you know, give people a recipe and all the ingredients for that. And they, their MVP was literally, they <laughs> waited at a supermarket until they found a suitable person in their target market, went up and talked to them, agreed that they you know, here's a recipe, we're going by the stuff, we came back, delivered the stuff to them, <laughs> watched them make it. There wasn't a single line of code in sight. And yeah. that's really, you know, there's so many people who are like, oh, but I've got to get, you know, I've got to have an app. And, and it, well, you know, there's a lot of people who actually want an app. They don't really want a business or a startup or anything. Right. They don't well, want a customer. They just, they just want an app. There's a lot of uh, tech entrepreneurs who build the um, continuous deployment system well before they build the app. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm as guilty of that as anybody else. It was one of my huge kind of achievements with startup news is I didn't rewrite uh, WordPress because there were so, <laughs> <laughs> so many problems with it. And Patrick and I actually, we, we got approached by a, um, 
uh, by development house in in Perth to say, hey, this is shit. It's really <laughs> slow. You do much better with a custom built engine. And we kind of went, no, 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 no. <laughs> We're not going to do that. Oh, the temptation to rewrite WordPress was just was huge. Oh, oh, that, that that never goes away. I think that's just if you're in <laughs> software development at any point, at some point in your life, you're going, I hate WordPress. <laughs> <laughs> Everything has a purpose. I, I'm 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 pretty not well not against anything if it gets to a point quickly and it validates the thing. If if it something warrants it, and you know, I'm CTO of a startup myself in in Credi. And the amount of times devs or people have said, we should rewrite this because it's ugly or horrible or technical debt, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, we'll do that. We don't need customers. So, you know, <laughs> let's do that. It's much more fun. You know, it's always that trade-off as, as, you know, the tech is meant to be there to support a business and a business mm-hmm. model. And, and that's yeah. what you should start with. And like Marcus said, MVPing is about proving a model, you know, and then building just enough tech to, to support that model and then incrementally getting better and bigger at it. So, yeah, it is um, whatever tech does the job at the time <laughs> without sending you broke is the, is the best one to choose. Okay, to hear the rest of that discussion, and there's way more, believe me, please head on over to techsociety.fm. And thanks to Marcus and Patrick for those pearls of wisdom and also to Alex, John and Lan from Tech Society. Startup West is produced by Startup News and made possible thanks to the support from SpaceCube Coworking Spaces the New Industries Fund, Curtin University, and also welcome to our new sponsor, RSM. Startup West will be back in the studio at Riff next time. Yay! So don't forget to subscribe to Startup West on your favorite pod platform so all our latest episodes will wing their way automatically to your device. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. Hold up. 